The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. The Golf Show with Brian Katrick. He's been the talk of the course today with his huge drives. And Ali Dean. I really am rugged with you. It's early Sunday morning. The sun is coming up. I'm on the tee at 7. I'm here to try my luck. They say this game's a tough one, but I'll give it my best shot. Though the bunkers look like peaches and the greens like parking lots. Oh, Lord. Big match coming up. I'm going to be needing a caddy. What am I going to do? Why don't you try him a little left? And why don't you try backing up? Give me just a little room. Help me keep my head down. Save me from those double bogey blues. Golf requires goofy pants and a fat ass. You know, you don't deserve any credit hitting the ball with that swing of yours. Try to hit one with my swing. I'm catching on the ball, right? Yeah. Moving my head. Yeah. I'm laying it off. Well, that too. I'm pronating. When you're not shooting me. I'm clearing too early. I'm clearing too late. My God, my swing fell like a unfolded lawn chair. Step right up, folks. See if you can outdrive the amazing golf ball uh, whacker guy. Help me keep my head down. It looks like I'm a wreck. It's in the hole! Save me from those double bogey blues. And we welcome you to the program. Happy Sunday morning to you on the fans. 680 and 93.7 FM. This is the Golf Show. I'm Brian Katrick along with Ollie Dean and Derek Thomas. They are in the studio. I am not traveling back right now from Las Vegas uh, where... One of the uh, the ninja groups had their world finals, and my son and my daughter both competed, and my son is the amateur world champion of the UNAA, Ollie Dean. He's very excited about it. Ollie forgot to push the right button. Mike, you got to press that button. (laughs) You know, the guy that used to sit there had the same problem. (laughs) We've had a few people struggle with it. I still. I was just so excited about him. Yeah, no, Ollie and I had already talked about it. Congratulations, Henry. Yeah, Ollie. Just amazing, amazing that all of his hard work has paid off, and he's come so close to winning a world championship multiple times, and uh, incredibly happy for him. So thanks for uh, sending that text last night. Uh, was thrilled to get the news. Um, and actually, I was watching the Olympics a little bit, and I saw that BMX bicycle is an Olympic sport now? Yes. I mean, how long before Ninja becomes an Olympic sport? Uh, that's a great question, uh, especially with it being on NBC. You know, American Ninja Warrior is on NBC. That's a, that's their it's one of their big properties. I'm sure they'd love to see it. And, uh you know, technically, this UNAA thing was a world championship. The guy that finished second was from Canada. They've had lots of different folks from lots of uh, different spots in the world in years past. This year, I don't know what, you know, how deep the international contingent was, but I know the, the kid in second was from Canada because he had the Canadian flag. Yeah, and they've had that USA versus the world and USA versus Europe and South America ninja nice competition, job, so it seems to be becoming a worldwide phenomenon. Yeah, well, 
could be a gold medal in the Katrick family future. Well, we uh, we appreciate it. That's uh, interesting, Ollie. I've never thought about that, but it really does kind of lend itself. It seems like it really could be an Olympic type sports. It, it, it well, I it's. Mean, I mean, if BMX fits, bicycle. Yeah, I, I mean, if you know the park event can be an Olympic sport, then then I don't see why ninja can't be a. An Olympic sport, and it actually started in Japan. Speaking to the Olympics being over in Tokyo, didn't it? It did. It did. A good call, Ali Dean. the uh, The old Sasuke. I show. may not be able to hit the on button, but yeah, I'm be on <laughs> point. And, and, and I have to make an excuse for being a little out of it. I actually stayed up, unlike my other two co-hosts here, and watched the Olympics golf event till its conclusion last night, which was about four forty-five in the morning this morning that it ended. Dedication. We have. We have a gold medal winner. I would have been watching it as well, except that uh, the plane we took to and from Vegas, it was actually the same type of plane, massive plane. Uh, the uh, It was a plane that they used to fly internationally. So it did, this is the way it was explained to me, because when we went over there on Thursday night, that was one of the gymnastics nights, and Lucy was all excited about getting to watch the gymnastics on the plane. I said, hey, they're going to have NBC. It's going to be on the big NBCs. Not even You don't even have to find a fringe channel. We know they're going to have it, and you'll get to watch it all the way over there. You know, We're going to, we're going to take off at 8 p.m. Eastern. We're going to land at 9 p.m. Pacific time. It's exactly when you want to watch it. She wouldn't have probably stayed up to watch it had we been over here. Uh, but this plane didn't have the satellite TV. It had all the movies, you you know, tons of movies and all kinds of things to watch, but nothing live, which meant coming back this way. I don't know that they'd have had the Golf Channel anyway, uh, but they may have cut in on NBC. I don't know. I don't. Was it on Golf Channel or was it on NBC? Uh, Golf Channel. Okay, yeah, I probably wouldn't have seen it anyway. But they once again, this plane didn't have live TV. It had movies. There was plenty to watch, but it wasn't the live TV. So. Uh, so I, I might have done it, but uh, probably would have slept anyway. But I'm glad you did it. We have a gold medal winner. This is the third ever gold medal aw- uh, awarded in Olympic history. Uh, the first one went to George Lyon, who is of Canada, from Canada, by the way, back in 1904. Uh, I didn't realize that was just the third modern Olympic Games. Yeah, I thought... I thought it started sooner than that, but I was actually flipping channels between the golf when it was that commercial to the swimming. And they said that the 1500 meter had been the only swimming event in every modern Olympics. And that had started in like 1896. And then, well, Yeah, that's why we had the Centennial Olympics here. Yeah, I guess. Right, thank you for that, Derek Thomas. I mean, the Centennial on, Olympic on, Park, guys. right. Okay. For the record, Derek did not stay up till 4.45 in the morning to be that sharp. <laughs> Derek is very sharp. Centennial Olympic Park is 1896 to 1996. But that was the first modern Olympics. Uh, that was in Athens. I think the next one was in uh, Paris. I think that's right. And then, then St. Louis was the third one, by the way. 1904, where they had golf, was in St. Louis. So golf was in, and then golf was out. Yeah, Until, what's behind? Can I? Do you have any idea why did they remove golf? I believe they I had to make room for BMX motors. Ah, they needed uh, in about yeah, 1912 was, when BMX racing took. They over. did it with the big wheels. You know, yeah, the big unicycle. Sure, it was very, very thrilling. Thrilling. They had skateboarding. All in is this all Olympics. over this stuff, man. That's yeah, the, skateboarding was in this Olympics this year. 
so, I mean, if, if that stuff can get in, which I'm fine with it being in. Whitewater yeah, rafting cool. was in when we had it. And I don't know if they're still doing that. But, yeah, if you can have all that, you can definitely have the Ninja Warrior competitions. And uh, Yeah, I, and, and since we're you. getting a little sidetracked, I was so glad to see that women's softball was back in the Olympics after being out of the Olympics for a couple of years. I'm not a sport that, that definitely needs to be in the Olympics. So, Yeah, the American team did not get the gold medal in it. Uh, Who did we lose? Did we lose to Canada? I think it was Japan, wasn't it? I think it, it was Japan. Was it Japan? Yeah, Japan's killing it. Okay. Um, but, yeah, so I, I did see that. Uh, the, the topic is, so you, you asked, Derek, how did we lose golf in the Olympics? Not sure, but when it came back five years ago, the reception was lukewarm. Uh, and maybe maybe that's why. I to, And I echo the sentiments of Rory McIlroy that he made, that he, this, the statements that he made five years ago. Now, He's kind of changed his tune after being over there and experiencing it this year. He was part of that playoff that Ollie Dean watched, right? Wasn't he? Yes, he was. was. Um, it's interesting that they stack them up the way they did, but they had to identify this was a five, this was a seven way tie for third, but yep. they can't have a seven way. They're not going to have seven bronze medal winners. They only had one bronze medal. But so we'll get back to that. Rory said uh, he didn't feel like. Golf was an Olympic sport, and the reason why is that you got to see it all the time, and I'm kind of with them. You know, to me, what the Olympics are, are, they are the sports that we don't always get to watch. We get to watch them once every four years. And then for the Winter Olympics, you know, those those four years. And I don't see bobsledding. I'm not going to watch bobsledding next week. Uh, I'm not going to watch the 100-meter dash next week. Gymnastics, all the you know what the Olympics is to you, and it isn't basketball. It just isn't. And it isn't golf. And it really isn't tennis. That's not the first thing you think of when you think of that sport. You don't think, oh, the Olympics. You think of the other grander stages that that, that sport performs on. And golf falls into that same category. And that's what Rory was trying to say. And he got killed for it five years ago. I happen to share his opinion. Now that he's been over there, as a member of an, Olymp- of an Olympic team, he enjoyed his experience, and he's, he's changed his tune a little bit. That's excellent, but I'm still sitting on my couch, and I watch golf every other week. So it was great that we had it, but I don't need it. What do you think, Ollie? Why wasn't Rory wearing a hat? Uh, Derek Thomas with a great question. So Rory doesn't wear a hat at the Ryder Cup either. So the... His his equipment deal, which is with Nike, or his, his clothing deals which with Nike, doesn't include the national teams because the national teams have uniform providers. So there's an exception for Rory. Still has to wear the shoes or maybe gets paid extra to wear the shoes. But he's allowed to wear the Ireland, uh, Team Ireland's uniforms. I'm pretty sure were Adidas uniforms. So he was allowed to wear somebody else's stuff for the international teams, and because of that, didn't have to wear their hat. And okay, I'm sorry just, I asked. Uh, what? Was that too long of an you know, I didn't, No, it's a fine answer. I just hate <laughs> that it's, it's all about yeah, it's corporate money. sponsorships and yeah, money. It's and money, blah, right. Blah, blah, blah. I mean, Nike, I knew it had something to do with it. Just yeah, silly. Nike gave him a pass. He's got to wear Nike stuff every other time he's on TV, except for the international teams, and he apparently doesn't want to wear a hat. So the uh, the hat deal was just extra money. Well, anyways, thank you for correcting. It's just weird to see some of those guys. Like, he always is wearing a hat along along with a lot of the other guys. So it just kind of stood yeah. out to me. That's definitely unusual. All right, uh, Ali Dean, golf in the Olympics. You like it? You not like it? How do you feel about it? Um, 
like you, I kind of agreed with Rory five years ago, uh, but I kind of enjoyed this one. Um, I thought it was an incredibly interesting leaderboard. Um, I thought the dynamic of, you know, a USGA qualifier seven for one playoff had the potential to break out. And that was kind of fascinating how they, uh, the logistics of how they did that. So I, I thought it was great. And there were some, you know, there were enough top-heavy names uh, that I think casual golf fans would be interested in in the outcome, and there were some Cinderella stories in there as well. Um, so I like the Olympics now. Um, I, I didn't watch much of it, to be honest, five years ago. I know how they finished. I know Kuchar got bronze and Stinson got silver and Justin Rose won, but I probably watched two holes. Um, I watched a lot more of it this year. And, and it's also fascinating. I mean, I was watching Seb Straka, you know, Georgia golfer that you know was one off i think getting into the uh playoff for the bronze medal i didn't know that he was from austria and uh you know i didn't know that rory sabatini was from slovakia so <laughs> well he's not you know lots of these things <laughs> came to light and you know I, I find it fascinating so it's good stuff all right so xander shoffley holds off rory sabatini xander missed the fairway at 18 had to get it up and down with a wedge to post 18 under he had birdied 17 uh, eight. He had to. He had to get to eighteen under because Rory Sabatini shot sixty-one in the final round. I think he finished two hours ahead of time, and uh, and wound up getting in, and uh, and and posted seventeen under. So he's your silver medalist. Uh, the there was a question about who is the oldest medalist uh, in the Summer Olympics. John Peterson actually asked that on Twitter. John Peterson, former PGA Tour player. Uh, I don't actually know how old Sabatini is. I think he's 45 or 46. But apparently the oldest gold medalist, a uh, 72-year-old Oscar Swan, back in 1920. What event did he compete in? Uh, shooting. Huh. Steady hands at an old age. Good for him. Yeah. Good shooter, apparently. Well, you talked about Rory's 61, um, Sabatini, that is. But C.T. Pan, who ended up with the bronze medal, surviving that arduous playoff, he shot 63 in the same group. Yeah. There were fireworks on Sunday in Tokyo. And they went out early. All right. So as we said, you can't – I, I didn't know this. So I don't want to say this as, as the be-all, end-all authority. But apparently you can't have a tie for third. So interestingly enough, the uh, the leaderboard doesn't quite show this right. Um, generally in a PGA Tour playoff – if it's a seven-way playoff, you're, they only have a playoff for first. And if it's a seven-way playoff, you have the winner who winds up coming in first, and then everybody else in that, money-wise, is tied for second. It doesn't matter how many holes you go, it goes. It doesn't matter if you get eliminated on the first one, and it doesn't get settled till the tenth one. You're either first or you're tied for second. Well, that's not how it worked in this. They needed to identify at least who was third. And in this case, it was, uh, was C.T. Pan that came out on top. So you got seven players. We need to identify third, just one guy. And they decided to play a, a threesome and a foursome, Ollie, and you watched it. Yes. So the foursome went off first, um, and then the threesome followed. Uh, the first four all made par. I think they played 18, first hole in the playoff. And then in the second group, which had Rory, Paul Casey, and Hideki, Matsuyama, uh, Rory was the only one that was able to make par in that group. So he was the only one to move on. So then they consolidated the foursome and the threesome into a fivesome to go play number 10. 
and uh, all of them played number 10 together, and uh, all of them made par, and then uh, two birdies on the next hole, and uh, that eliminated everybody but C.T. Pan and Colin Morikawa, who made the birdies, and then the next hole, Pan made par to, to win it. Yeah. That was bronze medal. What was fascinating was you can the playoff system, because I, I got curious. There were so many people that were competing. You know, what happened if you had, like, a three-way tie for first and, you know, a six-way tie for – for what would be, you know, fourth at that point, is they would have played off for the gold medal first. And whoever of the two won the playoff would get the gold, the next one would get the silver, and then they would play off for the bronze. Um, so it was kind of fascinating how they had it planned out to make sure that there was only one golfer at uh, each medal stand. Right, and, and only one playoff at a time. I wonder if Xander and Sabatini would have played off would they have had the two-man playoff and the seven-man playoff going on at the same time? Yeah, they would have had the two-man playoff start on 18, and the seven-man playoff would have started on 10, is what they said. All at the same time. Yep. That's actually, that's too much. I'm going to be honest with you. Now you've got nine players hitting meaningful golf shots at the same time. That is, that's too big a movie for a Sunday. This is very technical and very inside, but uh, you used to get these complaints when Tiger was dominating tournaments. Well, they only show Tiger. Well, when he was winning by six, there isn't a lot of reason to show anybody else. But you really do narrow down your focus as it gets later and later on a Sunday. You may start the day with 10 or 12 guys that, that I have a chance to win, but by the time you make the turn, you're really down to four or five at most. And by the time they get to 16 or 17, you're lucky if you still have three that have a chance and that's how you get to slow down and really focus on on who's doing what and that's where you get those long lingering shots of the guy walking and you hear all the caddy conversation you hear all the biographical stuff is because we've we've narrowed the focus down to two three or maybe four at most players but they'd have had nine hitting meaningful golf shots with medals on the line at the same time in a sudden death format that would have been uh, that would have been frenetic. I don't know how they would have. I bet you NBC would have tried to step in and said, "Hang on, let's wait on the bronze medal playoff." And then then those guys would have been like, "Why why are we waiting? What are we supposed to do? Eat a sandwich?" Yeah, and then logistically, you're getting late in the day. So if your gold medal playoff for gold and silver goes three or four holes, and you've got your uh, seven people waiting for your one spot for the bronze. Now you're watching daylight, and you surely don't want it to go into the next day. I don't know how many people would tune in for a seven-for-one playoff for the bronze medal. No, you you know you're right. They would have had to they would have had to go at the same time, because because yeah, and that seven seven-man playoff that has all the makings of something that's going to go four or five holes, and in this case, it went four. You don't you don't settle those things in one hole very often. There's not one guy out of seven that does something better than the other six. That doesn't yeah. doesn't happen very often. And you mentioned Tiger, and I don't want that point to go unembellished. Um, yeah, Tiger got a lot of coverage, whether he was on top of the leaderboard or making charge. But as a promoter or as a broadcaster, one of the greatest values of Tiger Woods was he was always there. I mean, if you look at his cut streak, if you look at the fact that he, he'd grind out a 66 and move up the leaderboard on a Sunday, even when he was out of contention, he was a story that you could always bank on. And there have been very few golfers in recent memory that had the consistency that a promoter of an event or a broadcaster could bank on the fact that he's probably going to be around on Sunday, so let's include him in the story the whole time. Tiger Woods! Yeah, I mean, there, 
We we watched it. It was, was one of the funny things about the U.S. Open, and if you remember at Torrey Pines, it was John Rahm, it was Louis Oosthuizen, but at the turn, the leader was Bryson. And you remember earlier in the day, Russell Henley had the lead. And then I think at one point, either Mackenzie Hughes or Corey Connors had the lead. Uh, but those guys kept falling off. I mean, Bryson had the lead at the turn. And then he went bogey, bogey, double at 11, 12, and 13. And by the time he made the double at 13, he was finally done. But you kept wondering, do we do we need to cut back to Bryson? Because a couple of birdies and then a bogey by the other guy, it just, it's really just a game of math. But... But it's funny how guys go up and down, and you can see him, and then you don't see him anymore. Uh, but you saw plenty of Xander Shoffley. He's your gold medal winner. Uh, Derek Thomas, does this change? Did, you, you always like Xander. Does this make you, uh, you know, does this make Xander Shoffley an elite PGA Tour player? Was he, or was he already an elite PGA Tour player? Oh, I hate those terms and classes because it's hard to say he's elite when he hasn't won a major but I mean clearly he's one of the best golfers in the world I don't think anybody anybody is uh, gonna deny that I just I, need I, to wanna, see I want to establish I need him to win a major uh, major championship I, w- I want to establish a narrative sorry so no, okay. I got <laughs> how you over, how overused is that word by the way yes please yes okay. let's let's talk about the narrative yeah the narrative here is that yeah, Xander needs to win a, a major championship and this is a huge accomplishment and I think he'll it it does boost his his because that name, uh, you know we we like golf we we watch a lot of golf so we're well aware of of what a talented player Xander is. I don't think the casual golf fan might realize how good he is again because he hasn't um, been able to to lock down any big time major championships and um, yeah this is a big stepping stone for him. But yeah, I mean I got to see him. He's going to win the Masters at some point, isn't he? Well, he had a chance this year. Well, I will say this about his performance this weekend. Um, I believe, I know he's had four victories on tour, but I think all four of those victories were come from behind wins. I don't think he's ever held a 54-hole lead before. That's correct. And so to hold a 54 lead, um, and I know there's no money on the line, but there certainly is a lot of prestige riding on Olympic gold medal, especially for his family. And I didn't realize this, but his dad was an Olympic hopeful in the decathlete for the decathlon, and uh, unfortunately was involved in an automobile accident where he was hit by a drunk driver and kind of ended his sports career. So from a family standpoint, there was a lot riding on the fact that, you know, the family had a history of, of chasing Olympic glory, and that up and down on 18 was as gutsy as it gets. Um, you know, I mean, he hits it right, has to punch out, and then, you know, hits a wedge to a foot to, you know, finish at 18 under and avoid a you know, a two-for-one playoff for the gold medal. So um, I, I think this may be a catalyst for him um, to have a little bit more confidence. I don't think, you know, we look at him as someone that, that chokes a lot on Sunday when he has a lead in majors. Just other people seem to have played a little bit better. But I, I think, you know, he played flawless golf up until the 14th hole. For, it was unbelievable. For how good he is, he should probably have more than four wins at this point in his career. He's young. Four's I mean, I know he's, yeah, age. but... He he's an extremely talented player, and he's always up there. And it just feels—I mean—and yeah, I'm not trying to uh, talk bad about Xander if he just won us a gold medal. But yeah, I mean, he's he's an exceptional player, and he probably should have more wins. Xander Shoffley, former Rookie of the Year, he was the only rookie to make it to the Tour Championship 
just a couple of years ago, now an Olympic gold medalist. Speaking of that tour championship, Xander is 10th in FedEx Cup points. He looks like he's on his way to Eastlake. We will talk about the tour championship when we come back with the executive director, Allison Fillmore. It's the golf show on the fan, 680 and 93.7 FM. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Ballou here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. The fan is hitting the links to celebrate the return of football season at our 7th Annual Tailgate Golf Classic, presented by Kroger. It all happens Monday, August 30th at White Collins Country Club with proceeds benefiting Lee, and it's officially sold out. But you can still join us on the air for a great day with some of Atlanta's biggest sports personalities. It's all presented by Kroger, The Color Spot, Ace Hardware, Bright Path Mortgage, Henri's Bakery, Entry Point Doors and Windows, Aquarama Pools and Spas, Lidl Food Market, Outpatient Imaging, and Brown and Company Jewelers. Two of Atlanta's best golf experts right here on Atlanta's Golf Station. Now more of The Golf Show with Brian Katrick and Ali Dean on Atlanta's Sports Station, The Fan. Well, it'll be here before you know it. We are about a month away from the Tour Championship. FedEx Cup playoffs get started here in a couple weeks. PGA Tour playing in Memphis and Reno Tahoe this next week. So a young lady that's all over it. Matter of fact, they just had media day. I saw Stuart Sink was out there. She's selling tickets. She's getting ready with volunteers. She's physically building bleachers herself. It's the executive (laughs) director of the Tour Championship, Allison Fillmore. Allison, how are you doing? I'm doing well. How are y'all? We are excellent. So a month out, we, we apologize, probably should have had you on a little bit earlier. No, <laughs> a month out, how are, how are things looking right there? Well, you nailed it on the head. We are exactly 30 days out from the event. And I'm taking a break from hammering out one of the bleachers right now. Um, No, things are looking awesome, actually. As you mentioned, we had our media day on Monday. Stuart Sink was out here, surprised some kids, and uh, let them know that they're hitting the hope shot to kick off the event this year. 
Uh, the build looks awesome. We've got some new hospitality venues that are absolutely gorgeous. So we're really excited to welcome fans back to Eastlake Golf Club Labor Day weekend. Gotta love it. All right. So how tell everybody about the, the challenges you have. Uh, we've got a decent idea of some of your field, probably a decent idea of about a third of your field. Colin Morikawa, Jordan Spieth, Patrick Cantlay, John Rahm, Harris English, Louis Oosthuizen, Bryson DeChambeau, Justin Thomas, Victor Hovland, and gold medalist Xander Shoffley. The other two thirds, the other two thirds of the field might not. I mean, we're not really sure. So how do you, how does how does things work in your world where you don't know exactly who's coming to your event right now? No, absolutely. You know, with the playoffs they get, you know, quadruple the amount of points. So it's, it can be anyone's, you know, tournament when they get to East. Like, yeah, the top 10 is pretty much locked in. But, you know, for example, our our champion, Dustin Johnson, is at 15. You've got Patrick Reed at, you know, at 19. You've got some really big names that are still kind of floating around. Rory's at 25. So ultimately, playing in the playoffs, those points, those extra points, those guys do well, and they get a ton more points to solidify their spot for the tournament. You know, with only three events now, um, it's really important to play well um, in order to, you know, get to Eastlake. So it, it's a it's a tough road, honestly. It really is. Ollie, I know you have some questions for Allison. <laughs> wait, Allison. wait, wait, Ollie. Hit the button first. Make sure you hit the button. <laughs> she's, she's relentless. Oh. This is why we love her. <laughs> she is oh, relentless. I, I probably deserve that and many more. Uh, first off, Allison, uh, it's great to hear your voice. Glad you're doing well. Oh, good to hear your voice, Holly. Um, it is fascinating. I, I think from a promoting standpoint, not knowing who's in your field makes it challenging to promote the event. But on the other hand, you are blessed with such amazing winners. I mean, the last few years, you've had Dustin Johnson, you've had Rory McIlroy win, you've had Xander Schauffele win, who, according to our producer, doesn't win enough. So you have had huge names on top of the leaderboard at the end of that tournament. So on that hand, you know, it is such a limited and elite field that whoever in it is in it is going to be a, a top name. Absolutely. You've got, I mean, you know, it's, the 30 best players in the world, right? I, I, I talk to other people that are out on the tour that are in my boat at different events. And these guys all have to be out recruiting and talking to all these players. I get the 30 best players in the world that come to Eastlake. Like, this is the best of the best. You know, the top 30, they're going to walk away with $15 million. Like, who doesn't want to watch that happen? It, it's really amazing. It's the Super Bowl of golf. It's the best players. We have the best field. It's awesome. Yeah, and I think the the subtle change that was made, maybe it wasn't so subtle, of flipping the nines and having mm-hmm. a par five finishing hold only adds to the drama of those 30 best players in the world chasing the, the FedEx Cup points trophy at the end of the year. And, and I love what you do of you know letting the, the fans walk up the 18th fairway and, and see the approach shots and the putts out on the green. I mean, those have had some some just amazing finishes with, with Tiger and Rory, you know, clinching the tournament on that 18th green. I think that was a huge win for you. Do you guys feel the same way there about flipping the nines? A hundred percent, a hundred percent. That first year we had a triple playoff with Rory winning on 16. 
Um, and then, you know, with the format, changing the scoring format, making it super easy for people to really understand where the guys are at every single time. Um, you know, the guys are out on the course. It, the the scenarios would change by by stroke. So to be able to look at the leaderboard and really understand who's winning makes it super easy for the fans, super easy for the, the player. And like, like you said, flipping of the nines as well, it just makes for such a dramatic finish on that par five uh, that it is, it is really become such an amazing event that that's kind of that must attend event in Atlanta now. Yeah. Spe- Atlanta's obviously got such a cluttered sports marketplace. How do you, how do you stand out in this market? to get people to come out to East Lake. <laughs> it's, it's interesting. You know, we, we worked really hard to move the event back out of college, out of college football. However, as you can see, it, it's back there again this year with the change of the Olympics moving to 2021. However, next year we're excited to go back the week prior to, so we're kind of out of that sports schedule there. But ultimately when it comes down to it, you, you mentioned it yourself, you know, we have such an awesome field that comes, you know, with a, with a sports team, you're promoting the players on the team, right? Some teams will promote, you know, their visiting team. But for us, it's, you've got the 30 best in the world. You know, we kind of do, it, it does the promotion on its own for us. So to have those, those 30 players come in, you know, that's what people are looking for. They want to see, you know, typically we're going to have the master's champ in our field. We're going to have every major champ in our field. And um, when it comes down to it, that's something that everyone wants to see. So tickets are on sale right now if people want to come out and join us for Labor Day weekend. And that's what we're going to talk about. Allison Fillmore, our guest. She's the executive director of the Tour Championship. It's a month from now at East Lake. Uh, a lot of folks are uh, sick of hearing about the COVIDs. I'm sick of talking about it. But we got tickets on sale. That's a good thing. What? Uh, how, how are things looking this year? Things are actually looking really well. Uh, I'm in continuous talks with the city to make sure that everybody is healthy and safe. You know, the city has gone to a mask mandate. You know, we are, you know, following CDC guidelines when it comes to keeping all of our fans and our players safe. Um, But tickets are on sale at tourchampionship.com. We have been selling like crazy. We're probably about 70% ahead of where we were in 2019 in terms of ticket sales. So fans are really excited to get out and enjoy the weather. You know, it's an outdoor event, you know, very safe. You know, it's it's an opportunity for people to get out, enjoy themselves, and watch the 30 best players uh, vie for the fame and fortune of the FedEx Cup. Can't beat it. Do you have enough volunteers? You're okay on the volunteer side. What what do you need, Allison? 30 days out, how can we help you? Well, we need some great weather. So if you can talk to the man upstairs and make sure that that works, that would be fabulous. We've got uh, we've got about 1,300 volunteers. We are ready to go on that. However, if folks want to consider volunteering, um, you can go to the website and look at that information and sign up for a waiting list for next year. Uh, but ultimately, it's it's promoting the fact that you can come out and enjoy yourselves. Uh, you know, kids get in for free. We we instituted our kids 15 and under with uh, two kids with a ticketed adult. We have our military tickets that we're offering as well. Active reserve and retired military do get in with a dependent. Um, so there's all of our ticket programs are reinstated from the years prior. So it's it's a very affordable event for the entire family to attend. Excellent. Oh, 
Got to love it. We are uh, very excited about it. Uh, anything special going on out there before before we let you go, Allison? Uh, I know we've had you've had different sections of the golf course. We've had different events going on early in the week. What what what's going on this year? So we are going to be putting our Wednesday tickets on sale coming up this Friday. And we are excited that we're going to be bringing back the charity challenge. That was something that a lot of PGA Tour events did last year. And with our partners with Coca-Cola and Southern Company, we are bringing back the charity challenge. We are 99.9% sure we have our full field, uh, you know, picked out. We're just confirming some folks that you're going to hear a little bit more about that. But that's going to happen on Wednesday um, from 2 to 4 here at Eastlake Golf Club. And all proceeds from that event will go back to our charitable partners. So that's a little so nine hole, little, little nine hole, some sort of charity match without giving anything away. You're going to recognize the people that are involved. It's a whole lot of fun. I, I did one with with Phil Mickelson out in the desert, and I forget who the celebrities were, but there was one of the national. I think uh, Landon Donovan was one of the players. I forget who the other one uh, other one was. There were two pros, two celebrities. Phil was playing. It was a blast. Something like that, I'm assuming? Yes, very similar. Probably going to be, um, you know, best ball. Um, We are going to have an LPGA player that's going to be one of our pros. So really excited about changing that up there. Um, But, yes, uh, we'll integrate some uh, HBCU students within some of the holes as well. Uh, But look for something to come out on that probably within the next week. Allison Fillmore, you're the busiest person in the city right now, and uh, <laughs> we need you on that wall, and we're glad you're on that wall. All the best to uh, the family, and we look forward to being out there. I think we're going to be there on that Sunday morning. I'm not sure where we're going to be, but we hope to see you soon. Well, I hope you will be joining us, and please make sure to go to tourchampionship.com to purchase tickets today. Tour Championship. Dot com, the proud partners, Coca-Cola and Southern Company, Eastlake Golf Club, that story, all those folks, what a spot. Allison Fillmore, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for having me, guys. We'll see you, Allison. That is Allison Bye, Fillmore. She is the executive director of the Tour Championship. When we come back, other golf besides that, which is here, and the Olympics, which is now over. On the golf side of things, for the men, the women start up on Wednesday. We'll talk about everything else going on in the world when we come back. It's the Golf Show on the Fan, 680 and 93.7 FM. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves, and people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY, and there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required, and they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save, and save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car-buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. 
And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout metro atlanta jim ellis automotive where you can always expect the best and now it's time for who's driving brought to you by ray judice if you're facing dui charges you need a dui lawyer who will step up to the t for you call ray cell at 404-964-4185 to schedule an appointment well, we're going to tell you all about the top of the leaderboard at the U.S. Senior Women's Open, but who's driving is the story that stole the show for the first two days. The Yes, there is a U.S. Senior Women's Open. The tournament's not, I don't think it's 10 years old. They, they just came up with it a few years ago. Uh, and, and the field is not tremendously deep because, you know, the, the, the players at this point in time, uh, by, by this point in their careers, they just don't play as much. Uh, especially on the women's side of the game, it's it's such a, a young person's side. But every once in a while you get this story. Joanne Carner still hitting driver. She's hitting driver off the deck. She's hitting driver to some of the greens. Shot her, her age. Twice. 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 Yes. 82-year-old Joanne Carner shot an 82 and then shot a 79. I think she tripled the last hole for the 82. Wow. Uh, so she made a big number on the last hole, or she'd have broken her age twice. 82 years old and beat like 29 golfers. Yes. Yes. Uh, her nickname is Big Mama, uh, and she is a Hall of Famer, literally and figuratively, and absolutely stole the show. Uh, fifth player in the history of a USGA National Championship to shoot his or her own age. And uh, the first to do it in her 80s. That's incredible. <laughs> yes. She, she hadn't who... hit golf balls for like eight months during the COVID lockdown as well. Yeah. So she just cruised out there at 82 on a USGA setup and shot her age twice. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's who's driving. She was the oldest to ever play in a USGA championship. Jugs McSpadden was 81. Back in the 1990 U.S. Senior Open. Old Jugs. Not Jugs, it's just Jug. Jug. I thought it was Jugs. No, it's just Jug. Jug. Well, his name is Harold. I can call him Jugs if I want to. (laughs) Old Harry Jugs. But let's talk about the top of the leaderboard. (laughs) What was was that? I thought I I heard something. There's a buzzing in my head. Uh, Top of the leaderboard, a couple of Swedes... That's all the Swedes you need. Uh, one of them, an absolute legend, Annika Sorenstam. Eight under par, leads by two over Lisa Lot Neumann. How about Annika? Could she really come out and just, just first tournament back? You know, for real, she's played in some celebrity stuff. Could she really just go out there and win this thing? Yeah, I remember her at that. Uh, was she at the one in Tahoe a couple of weeks? Yes, ago? she just played, and the, she uh... looked fantastic. I mean, she's 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 really good at golf, and so I know. Yeah, she's had children and taken time off, but she's still an incredible player. 
leads by two, and then she's she's got four on the third place golfer, six on Laura Davies and Yuko Sato that are tied for fourth. So, I mean, there's not a lot of people that can catch eight under at this point. I mean, I, I think you know those are it. Um, the sixth place golfers that even par eight strokes back. So. I don't think you're coming from eight strokes back. So she doesn't have a lot of people to beat to to win it today. This is the U.S. Senior Women's Open. She won the U.S. Women's Open for the first time in 19. Are you ready for this? <laughs> first of all, it's 19. All right. She she won her first U.S. Senior her first U.S. Women's Open in 1988. Wow. I. <laughs> Definitely, I was guessing like 1994, maybe. Are you talking about yes. Joanne Carner? No. <laughs> that seems it's impossible. First Swedish major champion. Man, we are getting old. I mean, she's done it all. She's done just about everything a golfer can do. Yep, she's 50 now, Annika. So, and here's an interesting side story that ties it in with the Olympics. Um, Annika is the... She's chairperson. She's the president. I think she's the president of the International Golf Federation, which is the group that kind of runs the Olympics, the Olympic golf. And they gave her a pass because the dates conflicted. You get the men finished today, uh, which was which is actually last night over there was already tomorrow. You get it there 13 hours in front of us. Uh, the women are starting. I don't think she's going to make it over there. I don't know that the protocols would allow her to make it over there. So they, every everybody was on the same page as the rest of us. Hey, let's watch Annika play. I don't, I don't need her to sit, you know, I don't need her to sit there and hold a clipboard and, you know, dress up all sharp and, and go to dinner parties. If she wants to play, let's let her play. And she's playing. So her last official victory was 2008. So it would be a great story 13 years later to win the uh... – U.S. Women's Senior Open. Where's, where are they playing that at, Brian? They are playing that up in Connecticut. I believe it's the Brooklawn uh, Golf Course. Yeah, Brooklawn Country Club, Fairfield, Connecticut. That sounds fancy. It does. It looks fancy too. They've had uh, uh, they had some bad weather on Friday, but when the sun comes out, it looks uh, it looks gorgeous. So, uh, believe that's going to it will be on. It'll be on today, two to five p.m. Eastern time. On the Golf Channel. If you want to watch Annika go for a major championship, check it out. I actually might actually check some of that out because uh, she's inspiring, and I've always enjoyed watching her. So uh, yeah, I might. I don't watch a lot of uh, senior LPGA golf, but I think I might. Uh, I might jump on that. Atlanta's own Rosie Jones is in the top ten. She's tied for seventh. Ali, you mentioned Katrina Matthew, who's the European Solheim Cup captain this year again. And uh, Laura Davies, who is uh, a past champion of this event. Uh, Laura Davies could could be there if everybody else falls apart. But uh, I think Katrina's going to keep the wheels on. I think Lisa Lott Neumann's going to keep the wheels on. And we all hope that Annika can keep the wheels on. I, you know, she was just their dominant player. When One of the most, if not... I mean, honestly, when she played in the Colonial, I think that was 2001... That was the greatest golf a female had ever played. I mean, she was at the height of her powers. Not that particular week, but she was at the height of her powers. She drove it 
considerably considerable distance. She wasn't the longest out there, but she was above average in distance. Her iron play was spectacular. Her short game was amazing. Her putting was ridiculous. She was in incredible shape. Remember, she was doing the pull-ups with the 45-pound weight tied to her waist. She was an utter monster, physically, mentally, and her game was in great shape. Uh, she was just as, as good as we've ever seen in the she, women's game. She really kind of took the golf world at least kind of took it by storm there in like the mid was it mid 90s I guess when she became extremely popular and I think she obviously did just un, unimaginable things for the for the ladies game and really I mean I don't want to say she's the Tiger Woods of the men or the of the ladies game but she really um, you know brought definitely brought up the competition and I'm assume brought up the purse numbers etc sponsorships and uh she's done a lot for the game Speaking of Tiger Woods, Ollie Dean, I hate uh, no, I hate you, these ty- You're not going to quote TMZ, are you? I am. I hate these types of stories, but this is good news. TMZ paid way too much money to a member of the paparazzi in order to get some pictures of Tiger, who was just out in L.A., and they got him walking around with... He had the, some crutches, but at one point they actually got a picture of him putting weight on his right leg. Right leg just in a sleeve, no more cast, and nothing on the right ankle, Ollie. I mean, we're talking about just a pair of Nike shoes and little ankle socks. That's it. I mean, you could see his ankle bone. You can see everything. I take that as an, again, not, not going to jump on a bunch of TMZ stuff, but I take that as an overwhelmingly good sign. Yes, I would agree. Um, multiple compound fractures to be able to put any sort of weight on that leg. Uh, the accident was in February, so that's six months ago, five and a half months ago. Uh, seems like good news. Uh, yeah. Obviously, all of us are rooting for uh, a speedy recovery. Um, more importantly, that he can spend time and, and be active with his children more than getting back on the golf course. But selfishly, we'd love to see him on the golf course at some point again. But hopefully, his quality of life is going to get back to normal sooner oh. rather than later. Yeah, I don't think we, I mean, if you look at these pictures, I don't think you have any more questions about that. Uh, the fact that we're looking at this surgically repaired, shattered right ankle, and there's not a brace on it. There's not a drop of tape on it. I mean, if he didn't have the sleeve on the right leg, you wouldn't know which leg was hurt. So, I mean, there may be some scars on that right leg, but we you can't, you know, it's not misshapen in any way. Tiger's always had skinny legs, and it's still a skinny leg, but no big ankle brace, uh, and, and the ankle was the big concern. So I take that. Sorry, sorry to share the TMZ story, but that's good news. We'll give you a pass. It's good news. All right. Thank you. Uh, one other one. How do you feel about when they put the celebrities in some of these, uh, some of these fields? The Texas Open had uh, both Tony Romo and Johnny Manziel in the field. I love that they gave Tony Romo a spot. Although I, they may have just hit. I'm, I'm well said, sure these, guys, <laughs> these guys just paid. I mean, I don't know how, how much how much they gave him a spot. You can qualify for this. Maybe they put him in. I think it's great. Look, if it brings eyeballs to the sport, um, you know, the Texas Open is probably not selling out of their ticket allocation. So <laughs> if you can bring some excitement think, to it, then by all haven't. means, let's uh, let's bring some people out and expose uh, casual fans and, and general sports fans to the game of golf. I think it's great that Tony Romo is playing in it. Yeah, I don't think they have ticket sales. Johnny Manziel beat a guy, shot 79-75, and Romo missed the cut, but he shot uh, 71-69. He was even par. 
It took two under to make the cut. I think that officially makes Manziel a better professional golfer than professional football player. Guy named Jack Ireland won. Ollie, Derek, well done. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday, everybody. We'll talk to you again next week. Turn your mic off. <laughs> the PodcastPark.com is your home for the fans' entire stable of original podcasts. If you're a true Atlanta sports fan, you need to stay connected to shows like Welcome to Madlanta, featuring Atlanta's rich history of sports legends. College football fans will love the Chuck Oliver Show podcast. Two hours of college football talk every day, all year. And baseball fans get to dive into Domino's archive of baseball legends on hardball. Subscribe to all these great shows and so many more anywhere you get your podcasts or stream them free 24-7 at thepodcastpark.com. Presented by Associated Credit Union. The winningest team in baseball also has the most saves. And people who save the most money are winners. So start earning saves by investing in worthy bonds for only $10 each. These bonds earn a fixed 7% APY. And there's no fees, penalties, or minimum balance required. And they can be redeemed whenever you like. You can even round up everyday purchases to buy additional bonds. Go to worthybonds.com backslash save. That's worthybonds.com backslash save. And save and win. Hey everybody, Buck Blue here, and as a recent customer of Jim Ellis Automotive and a longtime friend of the Vice President, Stacey Ellis, man, I know Jim Ellis Automotive Group takes pride in being a family-owned and operated business. I saw it firsthand. When Stacey's granddad, Jim Ellis, founded the company back in 71, his goal was to treat every customer like family by offering a car buying experience that was both easy and fully transparent. And it worked. 50 years later, Stacy's dad, Jimmy Ellis, grew the organization to become Georgia's largest family-owned and operated automotive group. And today, third-generation family members like Stacy, along with more than 1,700 dedicated team members, are working hard to uphold the values Jim Ellis Automotive was founded on. And that's why Jim Ellis has been around for over 50 years. Enjoy the advantages of buying your next vehicle from a family-owned and operated dealership. Visit JimEllis.com or stop by any of their 20 dealerships located throughout Metro Atlanta. Jim Ellis Automotive, where you can always expect the best. A lifetime of hard work. Children laughing in the kitchen. Family photos on a restaurant wall. A legacy that lives on. It all comes from the power of a conversation. Like the one Tommy Hall had with First Horizon Bank about taking over his father's Charleston-based restaurant business. Now the table is set for a whole new generation. First Horizon Bank. Let's find a way. Go to firsthorizon.com slash Tommy. First Horizon Bank, member FDIC.